0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? when my friend told me that he hooked up with a random girl from craigslist i thought he was insane but i'm sure most geniuses sound crazy even after he attributed his great night to luck i still felt inclined to try it after a couple days of browsing and a couple drinks too many i posted my first ad i gave out the details and some flexibility just to ensure i get something tonight i started cleaning up and i checked the time hey man i posted my ad Just to be safe, what should I do? I don't want to give out my address and shit to some serial killer or something lolf. I hate cleaning. I straighten up some more until I hear my phone vibrate. Definitely call her so you can make sure it's a girl and you might be able to tell if she's hot, El Mao. Let me know when she's on her way or whatever. I'll call you to make sure everything is okay, cool. Enjoy, bro. Before replying, I decided to check my email to see if anyone replied. The spam is easy to weed out thanks to me asking for a specific subject. After four emails of, can you send pics and a number? I finally got the email I've been waiting for. Pretty woman in her mid 30s cheating on her neglectful husband. Potential sob story, but I'm not the one to mediate things like this. I called and we talked for a few so things weren't as awkward when she got here. She's on her way. I'll see you tomorrow. I hurried to the kitchen and made some drinks and added some final spruces to my place. After 30 minutes of terrible anticipation and increasing hoariness, my phone vibrated. I'm outside, what door were you? Opting for safety, I decided to just meet her outside and lead her in. I did a quick double check in the mirror before heading out, but when I did, it made it all worth it. Who knew beautiful women like this looked for anonymous sex on the internet? All negative thoughts left my mind when I grabbed her hand, and they were quickly replaced with dirtier and dirtier ones when I led her into my apartment. I made some drinks while she sat on the couch. We made some idle conversation, mainly about how often we do this and blah blah. Surprisingly, this isn't my first time doing this, she told me almost breaking down. Instead of prying more, I just advanced the convo and asked her what all she likes to do. I managed to slip in that it was my first time doing this. She kissed me and asked me for directions to the bedroom. I got up and reached for her hand. When I turned around, I noticed she was looking in her purse. I guess she didn't notice me because she was looking for a while, but she smiled reassuringly when I told her that I already had condoms. We laid in bed and took each other's clothes off, but she suddenly got up and went to the bathroom. "'Could you get me another drink, please?' she called out from the bathroom. "'Same thing you were drinking.' I walked out and laughed at craziness of the situation. I don't know what compelled me to look through her purse, but I'm glad I did. I walked back into the room right as she came out looking worried and asked if I could call her cell phone. Of course, I happily obliged, and while she looked for that, she asked me if I could grab her purse from the front room because she had a surprise for me. "'Hey, is this you calling me?' This isn't the same number you gave me, she laughed. Oh yeah, my friend told me to do that for Craigslist until we meet, I said as I grabbed her purse. Really, why? He said it's because you really, really shouldn't trust people you meet on the Craigslist, I replied as I locked the door. About three years ago, I was obsessed with Craigslist. I would go on there to find anything I needed, It seems more like an addiction now. I had just turned 17, and I was the only person in my homeroom class with a license but no car. Of course, I went to Craigslist to find a car at a reasonable price. I was strolling through the different variety of cars when I stumbled upon one in my price range. It was a 2008 Ford Explorer, only $3,000. At the time, I wasn't entirely sure why it was so cheap, but I was naive. I clicked on the picture and read the description. It seemed harmless enough. I wanted to get rid of this car because it was my wife's, but she recently died. I only need $3,000 more dollars to give her a funeral she deserved. If you feel uncomfortable, I can bring my daughter with me. Quickly, I looked at his contact information and messaged him. It didn't take long before I had a reply and a day that we'd meet. I didn't ask for his daughter to come, since he didn't seem like a murderer. We agreed to meet the next day, and he only lived an hour away. The next day rolled quicker than I expected, and I had to hurry up and leave. I took my dad's car and started my drive to his house, where we agreed to meet. When I got there, a chubby man in his early 30s greeted me. Our exchanges weren't anything to put me on edge, but he had an unnerving smile. After our exchanges, I called my dad to come and get his car. I got in my new car and drove home. By the time I got back home, I was exhausted. I took a quick shower and fell onto my bed and dozed off soon after. At about 2 a.m., I woke up to the sound of a car door slamming shut. I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes and jerked up. I looked out my window and saw a car in my driveway that wasn't mine or any of my family members. I saw a short, chubby figure getting out of the car with what looked like an axe. I was almost frozen, but I had the courage to get my phone and call 911. I had an 8-year-old sister, so I carried her sleeping body into my room and locked the door. The police didn't live far from my house, so I guess when the man heard the sirens, he ran off, because the cops never found anyone. I thought that was the end of it, but I was so wrong. Yesterday evening, I was watching the news, and I saw the police had gotten a deadly serial killer in custody he was responsible of killing 27 people from Craigslist. It was the same man I had met. I had escaped death. They said his partner in crime, his daughter had gotten away, and was looking for people to kill from Craigslist that her father hadn't killed. My family had just gotten into skiing last year, and instead of buying new equipment, I decided to get some used stuff to start out. Renting equipment was nearly as pricey as the lift ticket. Skiing equipment is just so damn expensive and had hoped to get into the new season with something that would last my kids for the whole season. I was visiting my office in early January and had looked up some deals on Craigslist and hoped to find some decent cheap equipment. You see, I travel a great deal for work and occasionally go to my office and since I was in town and heading home for the weekend. I thought it would be a good idea to see what kind of deals I could find locally. Boy, do I regret that decision. I was scrolling through the listings and came across a promising listing complete with pictures and lots of equipment. I replied to the posting via email since there was no number to call. I got a reply within minutes and was given an address to get to the place I made arrangements to meet up with him the next day on my trip home from the office. After work the evening I was heading home, I drove to the address and knocked on the front door. The place was a large older house not very well kept and secluded from the other houses nearby by trees and a rather large hedgerow. The porch was littered with garbage bag full of who knows what and the odor was something that I have never smelled before or would ever want to again. The guy answered the door and was about the scruffiest shabby dude that never slept in a cardboard box that I have ever seen. We shook hands and he invited me into his home. I'm not gonna lie to you. This dude creeped me out. I should have just made some kind of excuse up and high-tailed it out of there. He guy explained to me that all the skiing stuff was in the basement and began walking away, motioning for me to follow him. I reluctantly did, keeping my head on a swivel and keeping close to him in the narrow, cramped hallway. He led me through the kitchen, which was littered with dirty pots and pans as well as trash that looked like it hadn't been taken out in weeks. He stopped at the top of a dark stairway, flipped on the light switch to a naked bulb that lit the landing about six steps down and began descending the short, short flight of steps to the landing, and then turned and began to slowly walk the remainder of the steps into the basement proper. As I followed him, I tried to keep a conversation going, and tried to keep him from hearing my heartbeat, which I thought he could surely hear due to its beating so fast. Watch where you walk down here, there are dangerous things around. He said as he turned his head back towards me. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock, I thought to myself. Like the room full of machetes and chainsaws. I wondered where he kept his mummified mother's corpse sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah, I said, chuckling. You sure do have a little bit of everything in this big old house. I have lots of treasures in here, some more precious than others, he replied with a hint of sarcasm. I'll bet. Is the only reply that I could give my stomach tightening. We got down to the bottom of the lower staircase, and all I could think to myself is this is like the silence of the lambs, and this dude is going to tuck his wiener and whip out the lotion at any second. We passed several closed doors, and I tried to guess which one had his skin suit behind it. This place was creepy, like really disturbing. I regretted every step I took behind him. The hairs on the back of my neck began to rise, and that gut-churning feeling grew with every step. I began to sweat, not much, but enough to make me wipe my brow. Hot enough for ya? He asked, noting my forehead beating with sweat. Woo-wee, is it warm down here? I exclaimed. Heat rises, that's why you keep it so warm down here, huh? I asked. Gotta keep it hot. I got too many perishables down here. He replied. Come on, it's just right up here. He indicated with a wave of his hand. There at the end of the hall was a large room brightly lit with an impressive array of gently used skiing equipment. I walked over to the neatly arranged rows of boots, poles, and skis and began browsing looking for anything that the kids could fit into. It was really warm down here in the basement, like way too warm. I began to strip off my coat and in while in the middle of it thought that it would not be a great idea my phone, wallet, and car keys were in the pockets. I just unzipped it and hoped that I would be able to find a couple pairs of ski boots that my kids would fit into for the season and anything else we would need to get into the powder. Kids, they grow like weeds, don't they? You really have an impressive collection of high-end ski equipment here. Where did you get it all from? Do you ski up north in the valley? Do you instruct people? I asked. I was thinking that this guy didn't look like he could rub two pennies together. Was all this equipment stolen? Where the hell did he get multiple pairs of $800 ski boots? Those skis are like $1,000, and he has four pairs of them. I looked around, and things weren't adding up in my mind. Just as he was about to respond to me, there was a loud banging noise from the back of the room behind a large partition or wall that was obscured from my view. Must be the furnace. It makes all kinds of noises when it kicks on. The guy said, I chuckled nervously and nodded and went back to trying to come up with an excuse to just tell the guy, that nothing looked that it would be the right size and boogie the F out of there. I heard another louder bang from the same direction. You should really take a look at that it doesn't sound too good, maybe I should just come back later. I said trying to keep my mind from entertaining all the various ways that he would dissect my corpse. Yeah, give me just a minute, I'll be right back. He said and stalked towards the sound, his fists balling up. Don't go anywhere. The inflection on the word anywhere was, let's be honest, ominous to say the least. Curiosity almost killed the cat in this situation. I crept closer to the partition, cat-like in my stealth, strained my ears, and heard the guy whispering in a low angry tone to something and a few loud sharp thuds on something metallic. The guy came around the corner just as I turned around to sneak back to the ski equipment. "'Were you spying on me?' he asked with venom dripping in his voice. "'No, not at all. I was just looking to see if I could lend you a hand. Then you came back around the corner. I blurted out not thinking of anything better to say. "'I don't believe you. You were spying on me. What did you hear? What did you see?' he roared. "'Nothing. I... I didn't hear any of the words that you were whispering to your furnace so angrily.' I said and continued. Hey, old furnaces are a bitch and need some tough love sometimes. I stammered, holding my hand up and shrugging my shoulders. At this point, I was slowly backing away from the guy, and he kept advancing. I walked backwards into the piles of skis and ski poles. Just as I bumped into them, I saw a flash of silver in the guy's right hand, and as I focused on it, I saw a wicked hooked blade that looked like something out of a nightmare. I held my left hand out in front of me and felt around behind my back for something, anything to use as a weapon. The guy took a step towards me, brandishing the knife with evil intent. My hand clamped around the grip of a pretty sturdy ski pole, and I lunged towards him swinging it in a brutal arc, hoping to brain the guy and run like hell. The guy stepped back about half a step as to avoid the swing. Instead of the pole whacking him in the side of the head, the knurled tip of the pole raked a deep trench across his face from left to right from his left cheek to his right eyebrow. He howled in pain and grabbed his face as the blood started to flow. I could clearly see that this was a pretty good cut across his face. I may have even damaged his left eye. I could see the cartilage of his nose through the wide and deep wound. You bastard, it will make you wish that you have never been born, the crazed man screamed. I'll show you the real meaning of pain, he continued, like this, yelled right back at him. I swung the pole in an upward trajectory into his crotch, and as he doubled over as the pole destroyed his manhood, I grabbed him by the back of the head and rammed my knee into his face. Bruce Lee would have been proud of me on that one and ran like the devil himself was chasing me, up the stairs and through the rest of the house." I burst through the front door, ran for my car, and dialing 911 as my feet slapped the concrete sidewalk. The police showed up within a few minutes, blue and red lights strobing in the early evening. He's in there in the basement, I hurt him pretty badly, but I'm not sure if he's down for the count or still kicking. I explained to the two burly officers that came running up to me. We will take it from here. The closest officer told me and drew his weapon from his holster. Just stay back and don't leave the area, he instructed. I walked over to my car and stood there shivering in the cold twilight, my heart still racing like a thoroughbred. Two more cruisers showed up screeching to a halt, lights ablazing and sirens wailing. I pointed to the house excitedly and gave them a thumbs-up. About fifteen minutes later, a total of six officers were in the house, and after about another five, the front door swung violently open and three officers were busy dragging the psycho out in handcuffs. As he passed me, the guy looked at me, and if looks could kill, I would have been dead on the spot. His face was a mess of blood and torn skin. Looks like the cops gave him the once-over down there as well. You wouldn't believe what we found down there. The first officer that I spoke to said to me, he had a woman in a big cage right next to the furnace all drugged up or something she was semi-conscious when we got to her. The guy was in the process of opening her cage, I assumed to kill her, when we finally found him. He continued, "So You really did a number on this guy, didn't you? he asked. I was just trying to get the hell out of there. I did what I had to. I answered, so You did a good thing. That woman will be in your debt, I'm sure. The officer said, I didn't know that she was there or else I would have tried to help her. I explained, No worries. We have an ambulance on the way and will take good care of her. He replied. I gave my statement later that evening and finished my drive home with a promise that I would testify at his trial. It was regional news by the time I got home. It was on all the news channels. A day or so later, the investigation revealed that he also had a torture reckling chamber in a nearly hidden-locked room with enough of evidence of multiple homicides to put him in the electric chair. The police also found the bodies of twelve more unfortunate souls in the crawlspace under the front porch further cementing his guilt, I vowed to myself, then and there as I watched the anchor retell the gruesome story, that was the last time I would ever use Craigslist. obligatory not me but my girlfriend girlfriend's lease is up and is looking for a room to rent for the remainder of college so being a student turned to craigslist she finds a great looking house in a brilliant location about 30 minutes from the university and a two-minute walk from main street of a lovely little town rents kind of cheap too the house is a three-bedroom two-bathroom place and there is two guys living there One was 24 and the other was 35 or close, can't remember exact age, who both worked together. Girlfriend goes for a visit and meets said guys, thinks they're pretty decent but the older one is a little odd. She decided to move in. All goes well for a couple months, she gets to know the guys better and turns out older guy has been homeless before and had a pretty rough start to life, but now he's firmly on his feet. She chalks his weirdness up to that. I come for a quick visit and meet these guys myself younger one is great very talkative and generally a nice guy older one is very quiet and keeps to his room a lot i thought he was pretty weird too i know you're waiting for a horror story so here it comes about a month or so after my visit i get a phone call from my girlfriend who is in tears she said that the police have raided their house with a warrant for cp The police has seized everybody's electronics, laptops, tablets, etc. Everyone in the house is like WTF. Obviously, my girlfriend was absolutely terrified. She knew it wasn't her, and I think the police did too. She managed to get her stuff back pretty quickly after a few trips to the station. Me and her both guessed that it must have been older guy. Turns out it was older guy. One day, he packed up a backpack of stuff and just left the house left his keys on the table never to return. We suspect he was basically running away. He left all of his other stuff in his room. Remember I said the guys worked together. Younger guy told us a few days after older guy had run off, that older guy went into the office and basically admitted it was him, and that he's been doing it for a while, and that he's going to turn himself in. Naturally, he got fired on the spot. Obviously, he didn't turn himself in and has since vanished. I used to sell computers on Craigslist from a home office. I never had a problem with people in person, but I had a phone call once that was creepy. This guy calls up and asks about a laptop I had for sale, and after some typical questions he asks, Can I get prawn on it? I said, Sure, there are lots of sites. But can I get? And he begins naming off genres of prawn. I got annoyed and I said that he could. This went on for two more rounds before I said, Enough is enough, the laptop wasn't for sale anymore, and I hung up. Two minutes later, the same call comes in, and I ignore it. The guy proceeds to leave a minute-long message about how I'm not being fair, and I was making him angry. He never called again. This story contains gore and mild language. I just graduated college a month ago, This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's o s e a malibu.com code GLOW. Go and decided to move into a house with my four friends, whom I will call Edward, Don, Nate, and Mason. I've known them since a very early age. Moving on with the story, this house isn't in a good neighborhood. It's a small five-room, one-story house and has a little backyard we plan to use for parties and cookouts. The house was built in the 50s and was completely empty when we bought it. One of the first things we almost got was a couch. We were sitting on the floor of Mason's bedroom looking on our only computer, an old 2007 MacBook he received when his parents passed away in a car accident. Scrolling through the furniture section of Craigslist, we spotted a couch. The couch, it was $20 mint condition, vintage leather, and everything you could wish for in the perfect couch. We sent the owner a request to his email, mikepowell at yahoo.com. Nothing strange. He sent us his address, and we were off the next day. Edward looked up his address on Google Maps. It was 10 miles away from us in an apartment condo downtown. Our Ford F-150 was out of gas, so we rode in Don's Prius. During the first half of our drive, our car ran low on fuel, so we went to the nearest station, a sketchy Exxon building. But every gas station looks kind of ghetto, right? Mason and I were digging some honey buns and went into the store while Nate, Don, and Edward were doing whatever. I was casually strolling toward the building when I noticed something strange the lights were off. How could a gas station be closed at twelve noon? Being the rambunctious college kids that we are, me and Mason bust in. My nose and eyes crippled and stung as the most putrid scent anyone could sense slammed into my body. I let out a cry and fell to the floor, a rather soft one. Find the light switch. Find it now, blasts out of my mouth. I hear a faint click and light engulfs the room. As soon as my eyes adjust to the light, I stop. It's like that feeling when you power off your phone and the screen turns blank, lifeless, and empty. It takes me a while to process my surroundings. There are about six dead bodies in all forms missing limbs, bones, teeth, or eyes. The soft body I fell on wasn't the floor. I look at where my hands touched the body. A tooth was stuck in my wrist and an unpleasant dark red blanket of blood stretched over my hands mason and i busted through the door and ran toward the rest of the group we explained what happened hopped in the car and sped off i looked back one more time at the gas station i saw one eye peering through one of the window blinds i closely observed and noticed the area of the blind that was opened is enough to fit two eyes when we arrived at the apartment i wiped off my bloody arms in a stream across the road the apartment was five stories high Mike's room was room hash 327 on floor 2. My group opened the doors and set foot in the lobby. No one was there. We located Mike's room and knocked on the door. Hello, we hear. It must be Mike. Yes, we are looking for Mike Powell. He is selling a couch on Craigslist. There is no reply. I notice a peephole and, due to me only being 5FT... Three basically short for an American adult if you're foreign. I stand on the tips of my toes and look through. Nothing but a bed and... Heads. Heads everywhere, lined up against the wall. Some still had their spines hanging out of their necks. Shing. The sound echoes through the hall, piercing through my ears. Someone pulled out a knife. I turn around to see Mike. His lower jaw is completely missing and he has a hole through his chest, exposing his ribcage and lungs. Surprise, he says, as his one I turned toward Edward. He stabbed straight through his forehead. Me and the rest of the gang managed to safely get home. We never got the couch. A few months ago, my landlord said we had to leave the house because he wanted to sell it and gave us a few weeks' notice. At that time, I lived with four housemates and was really close to three of them. I had been living in that house for around three years as a tenant. I don't know if the owner had money problems or not, but one day he came and gave us all letters saying we had to leave. So I went to stay with my parents for a few weeks while I looked for a temporary place to live. It meant I needed to find somewhere affordable and close to my work with a similar budget. At that time I had a part-time job at Starbucks and was interning at a company. It was a stressful time and I didn't have much free time. This situation was just another challenge in my life, but I handled it quite well as my parents were there to support me. Sadly, I don't talk to those three old friends anymore and I kind of miss them. Now, after moving in with my parents, I realized I wish I had kept in touch with my old housemates. Let me tell you about my new situation. The house I used to live in was only a 5-minute drive from my workplace and my parents' house was a 25-minute drive away so it messed up my daily schedule and a few times I got to work late. I understand I needed to be more organized but I was only 19. I had trouble getting up on time and felt tired. Most teenagers go through a phase like that and mine just happened a bit later. The truth was I had to find a new place quickly because this situation wasn't working. Every day, going from my parents' house to work, I ended up being either 20 minutes late or at least 5 or 10 minutes behind. My boss was very strict, and he used to give me angry looks even if I was just one minute late. It became too much, and during one shift, he called me aside to talk. Even though my boss and I had a good relationship, he told me that being late so often had to stop. He said it was causing problems for the company and if it happened again, he might have to let me go. That was a wake-up call for me, and I knew I had to make a change. So that evening, I went on Craigslist when I returned home to my parents' house after my shift. I found plenty of rooms available for rent, and they were all within my budget. The main thing I needed was a place close to my workplace. Many were near the city, which was farther than my parents' house, so that wouldn't work. However, I found a couple of options that seemed promising. One of the places I considered was literally across the road from my workplace. I hesitated for a moment, thinking it might be too close, but in the end, I didn't really mind. Now, I had no excuse for being late to work because it was just a short walk away. It was that simple. I got in touch with the person who posted the room rental ad, and it turned out they were from a company working for the landlord. They told me I could either visit the place or sign the contract right away, based on the pictures. I didn't feel the need to visit in person. Usually, when landlords have companies representing them, it's trustworthy. It turned out this guy was indeed trustworthy, and the whole place was very clean. I signed the contract and moved in three days later. They gave me a quick tour before I settled into my new room. This time, I only had two other people sharing the house with me. There was also a spare bedroom mentioned in the ad that no one had taken yet. One of my housemates seemed to be a girl around my age, and the other was a guy who looked like he was about 50, maybe even 60 years old. At first, the older guy gave me some really weird vibes. He seemed very awkward, socially speaking. The girl didn't say much. She just looked at me and waved briefly. She gave off a kind of goofy vibe, like maybe she's into video games or something. Neither of them seemed very confident, but that was okay with me. The last thing I wanted was an overly confident, loud, and crazy housemate. Believe me, I've had those before. I moved in and unpacked my stuff, but I was really surprised when I saw the kitchen because it was super clean. In my last place, there were always dirty dishes lying around in the kitchen, so this was a big change. It looked like no one had even used it before. I don't know if the agency or company told them to clean up before i arrived maybe to make the house look better whatever they did it worked my room was also incredibly clean and it seemed like they had put in a new mattress and bedding everything was spotless and the carpet smelled like it had just come out of the factory when i met my housemates and got a tour of the house something surprised me i noticed that every room in the house had a phone not a mobile phone but one of those old-fashioned landline phones with wires. I thought it was strange and unusual that every room had one. It didn't seem to have a clear reason. In my room, there was a phone on a little stand to the left of my bed, with a wire going through the wall. I asked the lady about it, and she said they all worked. She explained that there was a phone in every room, and you could call anyone you wanted to. But didn't really make sense to me, so I didn't ask any more questions about it. Well, the first night went smoothly. I cooked some food for myself and kept to myself. I had work the next morning, so I went to bed early around 9.30. On the other end, my two housemates were really quiet all night. There was just one noise, and if I remember correctly, it was the girl next door coughing. But the second night is when things started to get a bit strange. You see, there was a home phone in my room and I hadn't used it or even touched it, to be honest, as I was still getting used to the place. I went to work the next morning and everything was fine. The whole day went well and I came back home, but I still hadn't really talked to my housemates, which made things a bit awkward because I knew I'd have to at some point. Whether it was bumping into them in the hallway or being in the kitchen with them, it was bound to happen. Well, I ended up meeting the guy in a really awkward way it was around 8 p.m. on the second night and I was getting ready for bed. I was just on my phone lying in bed. For me, an early night is around 9 to 9:30 because I have to leave for work at 5 or 5:30. Then the home phone in my room, the one with the cord, started ringing. Feeling confused and like anyone else, I just said a simple hello. But what I heard on the other end was nothing, absolutely nothing. It was like hearing darkness. Not a sound, no static, no breathing, no talking, which really gave me an eerie feeling. I put the phone down and hung up, then went back to my bed and thought maybe it was just someone dialing the wrong number or one of those annoying calls trying to sell me stuff. I was on my phone for about 20 more minutes when the same phone rang again. I started to think I should unplug this phone. If it kept ringing all night, it would definitely wake up my two roommates next door. I answered the phone again and once more the same eerie silence. Nobody answered and there was no sound, just silence. At this point I was getting pretty frustrated, but I realized I couldn't disconnect the phone because it was connected through a wire in the wall. It seemed like someone had drilled a hole just big enough for the wire to pass through. Unless I cut the wire, which would be illegal it meant I couldn't stop the phone from ringing. The phone stayed silent for the next three hours, and I managed to get about two and a half hours of sleep. But then it started ringing again at midnight. This time I had had enough. I walked over to the phone, picked it up, and said, Hello? Who is this? This isn't funny. Please, can you stop calling? This time I heard heavy breathing on the other end, like someone was breathing heavily or was excited. This made me feel really uncomfortable, so I said, Who is this? Who are you? Why are you calling me? But they just kept breathing heavily and didn't answer. It was so creepy that I hung up without saying anything. Only a minute later, the phone rang again. I answered and started shouting into the phone, What do you want? Please stop calling me. But all I heard was more heavy breathing, just like before. The breathing was deep, slow, and it sounded like a man. I didn't know what to do except maybe cut the wire but I was worried about getting in trouble for that. I decided to ignore the phone and take a deep breath to relax. I thought that if I didn't answer, maybe they would stop calling eventually, so that's what I did for the next hour. They kept calling almost every single minute. I couldn't help but wonder what was going on here. Around 1 o'clock in the morning, I heard a knock on my door. I thought they had been patient since the phone had been ringing for over an hour by then. It seemed like they were finally coming to talk to me. I quickly put on my slippers and threw on a hoodie to look a bit more presentable. I was ready to apologize and try to be as nice as possible. When I opened the door, I saw my 50-year-old housemate. He had taken the landline phone from his room and dragged the wires all the way across the hallway. He was holding the phone to his ear and breathing heavily into it. That's when I let out a scream so loud that I couldn't even hear anything else for the next few minutes. My knees were trembling and I tried to get back to my room, but it was really hard. When I finally got back to my room, I almost fell down. I quickly slammed the door and locked it. I didn't know what to do next. I rushed to my bed where my mobile phone was lying next to it. I quickly picked up the phone and called 911. Later, it turned out that my housemate had been the one calling me and making those creepy breathing sounds for the past three hours. The police came and took both of us for questioning. I explained my side of the story, but he didn't explain anything. According to the police, he just sat in his room in silence. He wouldn't talk, he just kept breathing heavily. It gave me the creeps. So that night, I moved back in with my parents. The police took us in around 4 in the morning after I gave them some statements about what had happened. They were really worried that it could have turned into something more serious, so they detained both of us. Well, after that, I went back to live with my parents, and even now, a whole year later, I still live with them. That night was really traumatic for me, and I have no idea what was wrong with that guy. I don't know if he just wanted to be friends, had a mental illness or if he was genuinely creepy and planning something else. Had a spare set of rare factory wheels for my Mazda, and hadn't touched them in over a year. Drove an hour to meet someone halfway at a well-lit Walmart after numerous confirmations that his Mazda had the same bolt pattern and a close enough offset that they would fit. Idiot shows up in a Honda without even the right number of lugs and starts saying that they aren't the same wheels from the ad. Then he says they may fit his other Honda that's at his house, half a mile down the road. I told him thank you for wasting my time and drove away as he called and texted me that he was going to follow me and get those wheels. I sold a set of chef's knife with a knife block. The guy asked me to hold it for him until the weekend. Then he flaked on the first time we set to meet up. He later flaked on the second meetup. Each time I had spoken to him, he sounded like he had some sort of mental disability or was not all there socially. Normally, this wouldn't really bug me, but since these were huge chef knives I was going to be selling to him, I thought I should be careful. I ended up telling him that I left the knives by the mailbox and to leave the money in the mail. I figured if he wanted to just steal the knives, that was fine. As long as he didn't have the knives anywhere near me. Fortunately, the knives were gone after a short time with money in the mail, and I never heard from him again. Let's throw away for some very obvious reasons. I'm a straight guy, but I get off on some stuff most would consider gay. Nothing too crazy, just some dildo riding and panty wearing, if that can be considered tame. Anyway, I chucked an ad up on Craigies looking to be blown by a guy, so I could finally ditch the curiosity that has always lingered in the back of my head. Met this one guy who was early 50s who seemed to be really nice, kind of like a loving dad type of nice. Q-picks back and forth, and I felt like meeting up. So we decide on a day, and he gets a hotel room. Now I don't drive, so I had to take a bus, train, and tram just to get close to where this hotel was. Left home at 9 p.m., took the bus and train, and arrived in the city at around 10 p.m. There was never any real sense of communication with this guy, very sporadic messages lacking detail of any sort. I couldn't get a specific address for the hotel, so he kind of just directed me around via landmarks, e.g., go to this place on the corner of blah blah, now go to such and such. Eventually I get to the Scottum Hotel at 10.30pm and I'm waiting outside in the cold, wet rain for a reply of some sort from this dude. It wasn't until around 11.30pm that he tells me to go inside like I'm staying at the place and head up to room blah blah. I was pissed that I waited that long but I held my tongue cause it might be a fun night. Anyway I get up to the room and knock. The doors opens and it's him stark bloody naked. I was a bit taken aback, but whatever, I came here for a reason. The first thing I noticed when I walked in was the dildo lube bottle and massive bottle of baby oil on the nightstand. This was the first red flag for me, but I thought, okay, maybe that's for him because I sure ain't going to let him F me with anything. So I take my backpack off and slump into an armchair, all the while this horny bugger is yanking his dick not one meter away from me and now the part where I get scared. Knock-knock. Someone was knocking on the door. So this guy walks over and opens the door, and in walks this other cunt with an ungodly amount of tattoos. Really struck me as the type to be a bloody druggo. I'm talking knuckles, sleeves, and facial tats. Anyway, I'm trying my hardest not to look like I'm seething, and we exchange pleasantries. Kid in way over his head, this is Mr. Druggo. Mr. Drogo, kid in way over his head. Mr. Drogo goes and has a shower and I'm alone with this horny guy still yanking himself. I tell him, yo, who is that guy? You said it was gone be me and you, that's it. He then proceeds to tell me he invited two other guys, but it's okay because they're subs and they'll do what we tell them to. He then proceeded to grab my crotch and tell me that he'd take care of me. Now, fellas, here's a reason to wank every day. I was so clouded by the fact that I hadn't orgasmed in five days and some guy had touched my dick that I decided to sit back down and see how it played out. Sister Curver finishes his shower and comes out just in some jocks. He lies on the bed in horny bugger and him start having a lovely chat. Meanwhile, I'm on my phone thinking, why the F did I agree to come here? Before I even finish that thought process, I hear a familiar sound someone is using a lighter. I turn to my left and I see Mr. Drogo doing what I completely expected Mr. Drogo to do. He's smockin' shards, so that's red flag number two. Horny Bugger said, I didn't know you were gonna do that, mate. To which Mr. Drugo replies, Oh, it's okay, I only do a little bit when I'm on leave from the service. Our troops are on shards, the people that will protect our soil should we be in a time of war. However, I told my dick to STFU and gained lucidity, at which point I told horny bugger I wasn't comfortable and that I was going to leave. So I left. Now that I look back, I feel it was extremely lucky that I was able to leave that hotel room without any resistance from either of those two guys. To top it all off, the trains were delayed and I had to wait until 1am for the 12.13am train. Walking back home after that felt like the longest two-kilometer walk of my life and lying in bed after that was horrible. Asking myself over and over, am I really soliciting strange men for sexual favors? Is this who I am? Am I really doing this? Hopefully this will serve as a lesson to some, not as a deterrent, but as a story to take in and learn from.